so I can edit that. So, okay. Okay. Go ahead. Introduce the episode ready. All right. Well, this is our first like official episode after we uh, did our little intro. Um, and we kind of, we had said, um, at the end of the intro that we were going to start with the very first episode, which, which was their anxiety episode. Um, and then we kind of reconsidered, right. And we were like, well, maybe we, cause there's so many episodes that we thought, why don't we start from the latest episode and try and work our way back? Um, so we can kind of stay current. So this actually follows the, the latest episode that they just put out, which I think was like passion, praise, and something else. I forget. Yeah. It's episode number 39 on okay. We Can Do Hard Things. Oh my God. There's been 39 episodes. Yeah. We've got a lot to do. Holy crap. I, I, and literally it does not feel that I, I've listened to all of them so effortlessly <laughs> that it does not feel like that at all. I know. That's one of the best parts. Yeah. Um, Well, I like just got done listening to that latest episode and I had, I had listened to like probably 20 minutes in and then I had to stop earlier in the week and then I finally just finished it and yet another amazing one. Yeah, it really was. It really was. I mean, let's just dig right into it. Like what, what highlights or what really spoke to you on this episode? Oh my God. I, there were so many things. I literally had notes. Like I took notes. Yeah. I have three pages. I know. I'm like, oh my God, it was just, it was so good. Um, but I love what really sort of jumped out to me. Um, of course is like, anytime like Amanda talks about her life, I, you know, I, it always grabs me. And I, I thought it was so interesting. One of the, like the key points right from the beginning was when she was saying how like her friends were like, Oh my God, you know, you're getting really deep on these episodes. Is it like, how does that make you feel? And I was totally thrown when she had said that, like, basically it isn't personal to her. Like these topics aren't what she would consider personal because everybody is dealing with these issues and that you really shouldn't, she doesn't feel like shame or that it like you have to hide anything or whatever, because we're all like experiencing the same human issues. And I just thought to myself, like, Oh my God, that's so to look at things. Like, instead of being like, ooh, you know, I'm not going to talk about that with so-and-so or whatever. Like, we're all experiencing it. Yeah, I thought that I, that's amazing to me that, and of course, that you, sister, would have that take. And, I, and of course, for some reason, I had the opposite take. I related to that statement so much. I can't even tell you. And I don't know if it's because I make no apologies for what I'm doing in my life or that I'm just so comfortable feeling like I'm an open book. But man, I loved that she said that because I feel the exact same way. Like none of this is personal to me. Not like the personal part of life. 
are the things that I don't say because I'm so scared to say it and I'm just not ready. And then when I'm ready, it becomes more of a fact of my personal history, but not part of my person. It's just like something I've digested and finally was able to, uh, you know, bring to light, I guess, or birth or whatever. But I felt so connected to her when she said that, that it blew my mind that I wasn't the only one who felt like that. Yeah, I that would never be like my first reaction. Like, I guess maybe as I get older, for sure, I'm way less. Um, I enjoy like if I'm like in a room full of people, I'm not going to like shy away from getting right to the core of something. Like if I see a friend or whatever, I'm not going to let down stuff. I'm going to be like, hey, how's it going with, you know, such and such, like whatever personal thing is go- like I don't. Or I don't hold back like, oh, my God, this week was a really hard week for me. You know, like I don't like shy away from those conversations so much more when like now that I'm older. But I definitely there I would have never put thought about it as like this isn't personal because we're all would not have categorized it like that yeah. at all until she said that. That's really interesting that you you had felt the same way. Yeah, I I think partly it's because of what we talked about in our intro about rejecting living in the fluffy conversations. Mm-hmm. And yes, I think I we all there's a certain level of maturity that comes along. I think where we're good at saying, "Yeah, that was really hard," or "Work is tough," or the kind of the the go to the go to like fake honesty you know Mm -hmm. you don't really you're not really diving in deep when you're talking about the things that's hard for everyone on a surface level Mm -hmm. grocery shopping with kids in the cart and the diaper changes or the homework or yes it's a pain in the butt like yes that's not uh to me a personal conversation um it's it's a it's like checking the box to be like, all right, I went there with you a little bit because I kind of maybe trust you, but it's right. still not the whole story, mm-hmm. you know? And I like that, that what Amanda, to me, what she was saying was kind of because of how she lives and how she thinks. And this was, this podcast is on her to-do list for work. She was then willing to purposely pay start paying attention Mm. because it was a work-related assignment and that has gotten her to unlock those doors and communicate all of those things that I think she really does well at keeping in and if as a visual like a nice neat organized filing cabinet Mm. like you know and this podcast for her is like well I have to go there for work and it really isn't that personal because I know exactly where it's coming from and what file it's connected to and how it got there and where, why I filed it away right there. I've just never had to talk about it. Right. That's funny. Cause I'm, I'm definitely not, that's like not my personality, but it's funny to hear that, like that somebody, you know, kind of has like a file cabinet of stuff and they have like, everything has its spot and you don't 
those parts. Uh, and le- you know what I mean? Unless it's on your to-do list. Yeah. You know? I thought that was pretty funny. So you don't, you don't feel the need to like protect personal issues. I don't, I don't feel the need to protect personal issues, but the personal issues that I know I am working on are usually a deep, dark, like low burrowing tunnel into myself. And those take so long to come to the surface. I am a I will lock things into place and mull it over and over and over until I'm ready to talk about it. Mm. But man, I sometimes what I have to, what I struggle with is that I can keep things in the mulling over phase for way too long. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I definitely, yeah, I can understand that. And then you get stuck. Yeah. And then I get stuck. And then I need some sort of invitation from something, whether it be um, a feeling I have, um, an overwhelming sensation of anxiety that I don't think has anything to do with that mulling over issue. But in the end, that re- that is really what it is. You know, like I, I mull over, I can spread it out and just sprinkle it around mm. and feel like, no, no, no. It's a little bit of that, but not really this. And I, I can work it in. I can work it around so that it doesn't overwhelm me for a really long time. And then, then I'll hit something, something <laughs> will spark it. And then it's like, kaboom. And I better deal with it. And at least I can say I when it is time to deal with stuff that is really personal that I need to talk about, I usually, when it's time to go there, I go all the way there. Mm. So I don't, cause I, what I don't like to do to other people, and I'm really conscious of this is I do not like to take people on the long road with me selfishly. Mm. So I wait until I'm ready to go all the way through and keep going if we need to keep going. And I don't wimp out on them because if mm-hmm. I've been waiting a long time to go there with them, I owe it to that witness and that co-experiencer with me to go all the way through. Yeah. Gosh, it's, it's kind of like, it's so interesting because I'm sure for everybody, it's so, de- it, it's it, oh God to, to face like those personal issues and how, what, I guess, like how each person handles it and what their personal experience of it is and how they feel safe to bring things up and like all of those things, like people do it so differently. Like what you're telling me is so differently, so different than how I process like personal issues, but I can hear it. Let's hear it. Tell us your process if you want. Yeah, no, I, I, it's like, that's why, again, I love freaking love that podcast is because it really <laughs> makes you think about it. Cause I'm like, hmm, how do I, like, what do I really like the issues that are deeply personal to me? How do I 
like, do I protect those things? And for me, it's like, if I'm in a really safe spot, meaning if I'm with people that I deeply trust Mm -hmm. or are like, I know are super non-judgmental or, you know, just somebody that I, I mostly that I really, really, really trust. There's no, no personal issue that I can't talk about. You could ask me anything. Okay. You know what I mean? So, but you can make for damn sure that I won't be talking about it to anybody that I don't trust. Like it would, you would never get it out of me. So then just to expand on that, the ones that you deeply, deeply trust, doesn't that take you a really long time to, to gather those people that you deeply trust to share it with more than say two or three people? Very small number. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Or it's like, total opposite like I don't know these people and who gives a crap if I bring up an issue because they're not like I'm not even like they bear no like importance in my life so I'm like yeah whatever you know I can talk about a personal issue but yeah like oh yeah the number is so 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 small but then do you think that if you are sharing that personal issue with a small number and this is, I'm just playing both sides of this to understand or just to gather how maybe other people are doing it or hear us saying this. I'm wondering if the number is really small and you're being your most honest with a few people that probably deep down you can predict their reaction and predict their words almost to because you know them so well that you know they're going to say almost the things that you might want to hear maybe does that you know does that play into it maybe at a certain level I don't know I think when it gets to be like such a personal issue like you know it's something really really like you know impactful in your life at that moment or you're really like struggling with something you know I think it's mostly you just, you don't even really have, like, at least for me, it's not even really about, about wanting to hear an opinion. It's mostly just a soft place to land where the other person is like, wow. Yeah. You know, comforting, supporting, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not even really about getting like a validation. It's just like, Hey, I'm worried about this. And having like that safe person to be like, it's going to be fine, you know, or whatever. Yeah. That's, you know, but, and I guess it depends on the personal issue too, you know, but what I, I thought was kind of cool and what, like I had sort of written down was Amanda saying like, um, when she was discussing like personal issues and how she doesn't view it as personal. And she said, like, you basically like give yourself freedom from personal issues and you don't have to walk around carrying that burden of of like thinking like oh I got issues you know and this is I got I have so much going on and it's like there's some freedom and being like we're all going through this you know and then Glennon sort of took it to um like making it if uh like if all women uh not even just women but if everybody sort of 
uh, I'm trying to gather how, how she had put it, but when we issues, the more we talk about these issues, more people will, will relate. And then we can all come together and sort of demand change in the world. Cause she was saying that it's more like in, it's because we're institutionalized and all of these different, our culture is like that, which I, I thought that was kind of interesting to think about too. I'd never really thought about like collectively, if we all said, Hey, we all have these issues and let's talk about it. How could that change things for everybody? Yeah. I loved her analogy of how she was saying that, you know, when, when Glennon is inspired to like clean out her closet or clean the room, like she dumps everything out and is like, yes, I'm going to do this. And then fizzles out and is like, Oh my God, like this is just so much to examine. Like I'm out of energy. That is so me a hundred percent. I am the epitome of that example. And then when sister was like, that's why we have freaking junk drawers, people. Yes! Oh my God. I love that. I'm like, that is so true. Except I thought I was chuckling to myself because <laughs> I went, I have a junk drawer and it's clean. Yeah. And- I just cleaned out my <laughs> junk drawers and I felt like a rock star. Amazing. I know. But my, but my husband, Matt was like, um, this is not normal that this junk drawer is clean. You have OCD. <laughs> like what? I want a junk drawer. That's amazing. Yeah. So there's, there's that. There's like the opposite end of like, yeah. It, which yeah. Is, you know, you, it's like finding a happy medium, but that, that her saying that was, was so relatable. And I think for so many people, all of the issues is so like, if there's sort through, that mm-hmm. you do sort of need a drunk junk drawer because it's exhausting. Yes, absolutely. It is so freaking exhausting. I mean, I think the the part when they said, you know, shamelessness over your personal issues is a spiritual gift. Yeah. And I think it's okay to be shameless over how many junk drawers you have. It's okay. That's why it's in a container and it has shuts and there's a handle and it's waiting for you. And nine times out of 10, the one little thing that you need to make a big thing happen is going to end up being buried in that junk drawer, whether you're ready to go in there or if you want to see what's in there or not. Yeah. That little itty bitty screwdriver you need for that little itty bitty toy where the batteries go or that special, you know, screw that you put somewhere, it's all in there. And it's okay, as long as you know where it is. It's you know where you're, you're honing in on where you can pretty much guess it is. And then when you're ready, and you need it, and you, you go through the journey of finding it, whatever it stirs up. I mean, most of the time for me, I'm pissed at myself that I let my junk drawer get so freaking junky that I can't find the damn junk. Well, and, and that kind of goes right into like the whole talk about self-trust when she was talking about the uh, Olympians that she had, they had interviewed. Yeah. And I was like talking about um, how she started to trust herself after everything she had went through. And she had, you know, uh, she started off with just the little things 
and you could you know back to the junk drawer analogy it's like like you said it's all there and you can access maybe that little marble or that little pen that you had in in their junk drawer or whatever and going like yeah that's what I needed and to trust yourself enough to know the next right thing to do yeah yeah I loved it when they talked about that I took a ton of notes on those little decisions those little like trust building decisions and when they got to the part of when is I want I want it because I just want it becomes enough holy smokes that just brought up it triggered so many historical moments in my motherhood yes I can't even tell you from just the basic shopping trip I mean I gotta be honest if we're going personal I truly did not have financial freedom until I got married and had and then had kids where we were in a position where I we had spending money that wasn't allotted towards bills so my first like adult experience shopping with basically no guilt or regret or um, hesitation was all for my, my babies. Mm-hmm. There was no hesitation over how much money I spent on formula and diapers. And I remember the rush of like, wow, I can get them whatever they need when they need it. And I don't have to feel worried about it. Mm. But if I were to go shopping for myself, for just me, because I wanted something because I wanted it, that was a guilty feeling. I was finding ways to talk myself out of it. Mm-hmm. And man, I, I really, it really opened, reopened that door for me of remembering that journey and, and, pieces of that that I know I still hang on to now. If it's for my kids, no one questions how much I spend. If it's for just me or it's not a defined purchase and I'm just picking shopping because they, they were talking about the candle. Yeah. But if it, you know, and it is emotionally the same way. If it's for my kids and it's hard and it's in that junk drawer buried, we will dump those drawers out in the middle of the floor and dig through it together as a family. If it's just for the mom or the wife or the partner or the female, in Mm -hmm. my experience, no one else is dumping out that drawer with her. Mm -hmm. So true. God. God, that took me right there, man. That is so true. I never, I was, didn't think about that, but you're right. Like it for sure for me as well, like motherhood forced me to have to, for my kids, not for myself, but for my kids, trust my gut, which did not come easily at all. I questioned everything. And that goes right to when, you know, Glennon was talking about like the process that women have to go through, like they you know, the first phase is like, ask everybody around them, is this the right yes. decision? Am I going to, I don't know, take all the quizzes, ask all the friends. Then they actually yeah. decide to do it. And then they have to justify it. Like all yeah. of those things, which I was like, yes, that is exactly what, especially what women have to do. 
Yes. It's crazy. Yes. I mean, when I think Abby said, you know, when men do it, it's like a wisdom thing. They just know they're, they have the instincts and they're wise. Mm-hmm. If women make a, a decision for a big purchase or a big business decision, we have to go through these stages of justification and validation and basically a handholding process that started before, you know, centuries ago that we never even agreed to. Right. Exactly. I know I have written down here. They walk around trusting your ability like a guy. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm not one for like blanket statements like that. I, mm-hmm. I you know, I, when I really truly think about God, what men have to their position on everything, I honestly and truly think that is all smoke and mirrors. I really mm-hmm. don't think guys walk around feeling super confident like that. I think that that is a total lie. Yes. I think it's a total defense mechanism. Yeah. And I don't think that's what's really going on to us. It looks like that because that's how they want it to make it look. Well, yeah, that's their burden to bear as a man. They have to, they've been born into their own system. And that's exactly what I meant when I said that in our intro that um, that men need these strong women and that's what I'm trying to be for my boys and find any little sliver. Mm-hmm. And the slivers come in the, I guess the message for them as, as strongly as it is here for, for us as women that they don't have to buy into any institutionalized agreement. They can be brave and strong and not have a threat to their man card over feeling vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's tossed around for them. Yeah. This, whatever is on this man card, it, it must be some, some something unbelievable. Right. Yeah, it's totally, they have their own, own, you know, other side to the coin to that, that they're dealing with as well, you know, and I think that it makes it such a great thing if we did all walk around saying like, whether you're a guy, girl, whatever, whoever the hell you are, just to be able to say like, we're all going through this. So whatever, let's just talk about it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think self-trust is awakening your own inner authority and that doesn't have to be a man or a woman or come from a gender role your own authority is your own authority of of knowing yourself so do you think do you trust yourself without having to explain to anybody do you do you feel like you've gotten to that point oh my gosh 100% i mean that's again what i was referencing to in the intro like I can see that I, I make my husband nervous because he is seeing me step over those little pauses that we used to take as a couple where I needed to go through the, the stages, the survey. I'd go ask him, is this, does this seem right? Then I, you know, he'd be like, just do it or just don't do it. You know, he'd, mm-hmm. he'd go that, do that dance with me and 
then I do it and need to bounce off the justification with him a lot of the times. And I, and, and he was amazing in support of all of those pauses that I had to take. And I'm sure he felt connected to me in all of that. And so the dance is to not need to take all of those pauses anymore because I'm being more self authoritative and trusting, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but also not strip away the bond that we have over decision-making together or the support and, and keeping, keeping on including him in my, in my decision process. Cause he's like, you did that when, and I can see he's almost disappointed that he didn't get the intro and the, the, you know, so that's kind of where I'm at with myself and it's, Mm -hmm. and it's pretty awesome. And I can see that he is getting used to it, but it's taken a while to get here. Sure. Oh my God. Well, that, that was my first thought is like, I think there's probably if anybody in the world ends up even listening to this, who who the hell knows, who cares? Right. But right. I'm sure there's so many people out there that felt exactly like I did, especially when I in my when I was younger. Um, probably up until you know a few years ago. Even I mean, it's always changing, but where you really like the whole idea of self trust is such a journey, and it takes a really long time, and also depending on who your partner is, like that plays a role in it. It's hard to, you know, figure out like what you, what you can trust about yourself. And, you know, I'm sure it's a journey for everyone. Um, For me, it's been uh, where I was super unsure of myself in my younger years and then got built more confidence. And then this kind of speaks to one of the other podcasts that they, they had done, but kind of, as I've gotten older, I've really so clearly heard that voice inside myself of just knowing that knowing Mm -hmm. and being able to identify that knowing so much easier and feeling like, I just, I just know, like when I know, I know. Yeah. I just feel a hundred percent about it. I don't, I'm not like, I don't know, maybe, uh, uh," you know, I don't just feel a knowing about it. And I kind of trust myself enough to go with it, you know, and, and it is tricky when you have a partner because like you said, yeah, I, I, for sure, I think you do have to like include them in on the journey. Like, Hey, I'm thinking about this. And what do you think about, you know, you're bouncing your ideas off of it, you know? Yeah. Which is good too. Yeah. So what do you think was the point or what helped you hear that voice so much clearer from that younger you to the you now? Oh, That's a good question. I think for me, I really struggled with anxiety more so than I ever really realized. And that really clouded a lot of my decision-making. And that took a really long time to identify where I was like, what? I can't even think clearly about what I trust and what I don't trust because I have so much anxiety about it. And once I did like a ton of work on the anxiety piece to it, 
a lot of my decision-making became more clear because I kind of had, I had to quiet all of those voices and questions and, uh, you know, like, and, and literally like physically anxiety, like my whole being filled with anxiety over something. And I really do a lot of, I'm sorry. Uh, so when you said something that, that triggered a question about how, like, how, how did you quiet those voices? What, what did you, did you begin a ritual? Did you begin exercising or like, what was some of your, I literally when I realized that anxiety was so bad and I, I mean, and this is like a, a more recent development, but I didn't really realize how big of a role anxiety played in, in what I was all, all of the different issues that I was trying to be able to listen to myself. First, it really sort of started again, like we had said with motherhood and realizing that I had to trust my gut. So that definitely helped me. Yeah. As I have gotten older, the anxiety piece really is something that, like you had said, like I would address with my kids, I would be like, oh, we're getting you help for anxiety. We're going to go to a counselor. We're, I'll do whatever I have to do to help you because I can see that you have anxiety. Yeah. In my own self, I was not doing that. I was just like, not, I was just like, this is just who I am. I just function as a person with these, all of these, uh, you know, intrusive thoughts all the time, like all the time, you know, right? what about this? And what about that? Da, 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 da. That literally I called, I had to get a doctor's appointment and I had to speak to the doctor about what was going on. And they were like, you know what? I really think that you could benefit from medication. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, which she the the doctor was like, it's the 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 hardest part of getting my patients to address anxiety. It the hardest part is getting them to actually take the medication. Yeah, which I was like, oh my god, I do not wait. Like that was the scariest part for me. But oh my god, for anybody out there that is struggling with anxiety, I cannot tell you what it has done for me to be able to just have the, that medication that turns down that voice enough to where I can actually function daily without, without it. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I mean, tell them enough, like what else do you want to say about that? Cause that seems like a really major it's major for Turn me. It is because I, I mean, I've been since I was little, I have always, and it really like that's, I was thinking of, of the anxiety episode too. And, you know, going through all of this, um, because I, I've always had it, always had anxiety, yeah. but not really ever addressed it. I didn't really know. Cause I'm like, this is just who I am. You know, you don't really, you just, especially with somebody that really truly does have anxiety. It's not, it's anxiety more times than not. Whereas if you ask uh, just somebody that doesn't like has anxiety occasionally, doesn't really have all of those thoughts going on all the time, you know, it's for somebody that has true anxiety, it's every day. 
Like, give us an example of the thoughts. Oh, my God. It'll be like, you know, I uh, wake up in the morning. And I'm like, okay, I got to, I have to do this and this and this. And what about this? And, you know, uh, I'm just not sure because, you know, if I, if I do this, what is this person going to think? And if I do this, you know what? I have to get these things done so that I feel like I'm in control today. And if I don't get these things done, it's just not going to feel right. And it just goes on and on. Or, and it's all the only way I can like describe, it's like pangs. The physical part of it is like these pangs in your stomach, at least for me of like, Oh God, Oh God. What about this? Like just on and on and on and on. on Yeah. And it really was just like, this is, if my child came to me and told me that they were experiencing these things, I would help them. Yeah. And then I trusted myself enough to be like, and with the help of others and people who have gone through it before that really helped me to identify like, Hey, I think this might be what's going on. Yeah. And that's when I was like, this makes sense. I'm following my gut and I need to go and help myself so that I can be a better mom. I can be a better, just, it, just a better quality of life. Absolutely. So I, for people who are hesitant and they think that they might have an issue, please go and talk to somebody because it has changed me, me so much. That's awesome. It, it really is. And then you can really start to really clearly hear your knowing and trusting. Yeah. So it's, it really is. It's key for me. It was, but not everybody deals with that, but for me, it was. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I've heard so many similar stories and I'm so happy for you because it's awful. I, it is picture the internal silent suffering of any human, but let alone one who's responsible for other humans. Yeah. There's just no time to waste. You can't sit and be paralyzed. No, there really isn't. You. And yeah. also, you don't, I, I really, if you would have asked me before I had gone and got medication and stuff, like, I really wouldn't have identified my uh, myself as a person with anxiety, which is so laughable now. <laughs> That's like, I for weird. sure had anxiety. But in my mind, it was like, this is just who I am. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank God for that voice because that got you Oh, you know, through your, your life into your twenties. Thank God for that voice. Yes. I mean, there's, yeah, it's, I wouldn't change anything for sure. Like it's definitely a journey, but, um, I really, it was that thought of like, if my kid came to me and was suffering in that way, wouldn't I help them? Why aren't I helping myself? (laughs) Yeah. You know, but maybe that kind of speaks to my most freaking favorite point of the whole podcast that they did that last podcast and I have it in like big huge letters because I'm like oh my god yes um I forget exactly they were talking about how um you they were talking again about like the uh Olympians that they were interviewing and how um they were calling them like superhuman. And then Glennon, Glennon was talking about how like, 
mothers and teachers and, you know, athletes are just superhuman and they, they put a label like that on it. Like, I don't know how you do it. And Abby said, like, people say that because to not feel bad about themselves <laughs> and maybe they're doing all these things. They're doing more than they should because of the expectation put on them. Yes. Oh, I was oh my God. I, I'm dying over here trying not yeah. to interrupt you because I have like 17 stars, arrows, exclamation yes. points, <laughs> underlines. Yes, that was it for me too. And I also, b- before we elaborate on that, I also yeah. felt like that completely full circled to the beginning of the podcast when they said how they hate when people say, I can't imagine which I am telling you, it drives me out of my mind. I want to claw at somebody's face when you someone tells someone something hard that they're going through. And they're like, oh, I can't even imagine. Yes, you can. That's <laughs> the whole point of telling you is so that you take a moment to imagine, then insert empathy and support yes. And put yourself in that person's shoes. Isn't that what putting yourself in someone's shoes phrase was made for? Yes. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Like, yes, just imagine. (laughs) You can imagine it. Imagine it. You don't know how she does it. Well, that's because you still can't imagine (laughs) for a minute that this person is slaving away. Yeah. They are slaving. It's everything you don't want to imagine because you're at home in bed sleeping until 10 and they're just glad that you're doing it and they just feel bad so they're like oh you're superhuman which I know that you probably heard so many times with having four boys oh I can't even tell you it was like the most sideways compliment yeah I, I, I resented every second of those conversations. It made me want to just be like, you're not my people. I can't, I can't even begin to share with you because you just told me that you don't want to imagine. So now I don't want to open up. Yeah. You're going to just stare off into the distance. You really don't care how I'm doing it. I totally have been guilty of saying that only because it's almost something like a, um, culturally like almost like this like nice thing to say or this like courtesy thing like where you feel like I'm not I'm sure not everybody says it like that I'm sure some just idiots but I think a lot of people feel like they should say that because they don't really know what to say right you know which is bad like it's not helpful really to say that like why don't you just uh, like they said show support be like hey can I get you a coffee what can I do for you well yeah and and I don't think that going back to what we how we started this conversation with going getting personal Uh I think that is the that is exactly the conversation if you can picture say you or I talking to someone we don't really know very well and they're, they look at me, I'll give you like a play by play of like the same conversation I've had happen to me a bazillion times, looking at me with my four sons and being like, you have four boys. And I'm like, and my reaction is always the same because I, I told myself when I had four boys and that if, the, if 
someone were to ask me that in front of them, I knew they'd be studying my face Mm -hmm. and I never, ever wanted them to see anything but joy on my face right during those conversations so i i knew my reaction and i have it memorized because i believe it and it is true i'm not i wasn't putting on a, a show for them i'm like yes i do i love it mm-hmm. and they'd be like oh you have your hands full they're so oh i don't know how you're doing it i can't imagine all of the all of the one liners okay so for someone that you don't know very well. Absolutely. It's, it's a polite validation, right? I don't want to get into your shit with you lady, but I'm letting you know, like, damn, good job. Okay. Get that. When it stings and when it becomes a resentful moment for me is when it is someone who's either known me my whole life or has been around me for whether it's a cousin or a relative or anyone who knows me and just maybe isn't in my life on a daily basis or doesn't see me all the time and they're keeping it surface like that and they're giving me the one liner that that the same amount of energy into I guess a a, a genuine conversation of personalness they're keeping it at the grocery store level yeah And saying, you know, I don't know how you do it, which also means I don't want to get into your shit and I don't really want to know. Or, you know, yeah, you're like, seriously, cousin, aunt, uncle, like, really? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see how that is just not. And and the whole idea of like, they're just saying it because they feel bad about themselves. (laughs) And, And all these, these people that are, you know, running around just doing the most and feeling like they have to prove and it, it's exhausting. It is exhausting doing all of the things, doing PTO, doing, you know, trying to be the best mom you can be, like pouring all of this effort in. Yeah, know? because because what we're doing is we're keeping enough clutter off the countertops but we still have to deal with the junk drawer. So our daily lives are keeping the countertops clean and the candle lit so that the room smells nice. Right. But we're too exhausted to even go to the junk drawer. Exactly. Exactly. Which it made me love their ending question, which was, when do you feel like you have nothing to prove? Like when do you, which I'm, I'm still trying to figure that like, wow, that's a great question. Oh my gosh. I, I have that starred too. Like, when do you feel, or who are you around when you feel you don't have, you don't have to prove anything to that person who is your people, which is the, the whole basis of us doing this spinoff podcast is to say these things in another way or in a different translation or in our sister talk to catch more people and put this out there to more people so that they're asking themselves these questions. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Ask your, please people ask yourself. It's such a great question to ask yourself. Yes. I mean, those people who you are not performing for and you're not scared to disappoint or, you know, are just surrounding you. There's so much unconditional love surrounding you. 
in your relationship with them that you don't have to do anything but just walk in the room. Mm. That is hang on to those people. Hang on to those people. I mean, I want to live in the spot of where I don't feel like I have to prove anything to anybody. But I, I, I really, it's a really interesting question to apply to the rest of the world too, as far as like she had mentioned, you know, I wonder what that's like for, for a black person. I wonder what that's like for a woman. I what you know, and when you really start to dissect that, that's a really interesting question to ask yourself. Like, do you feel like you have anything to prove when you meet somebody that is not of your skin color or your culture? Yes, absolutely. I I think that that was an amazing eye-opening piece to add into their conversation. Um, And I can tell you from my personal world because that's all I have to offer everyone. So bear with us because we li- this is where we come from. Um, right. And this is this the true honesty of a s- small town girls in Michigan. So I can tell you from my experience, just recently, my three older sons joined an inner city baseball team in um, our, one of our, our big cities. And they were one of maybe three other white boys and the rest were African-American boys. And they, it was the most amazing experience to witness as their, their guide and mother and supporter on this planet, because they were so unguarded and they don't that my my kids do not see color they absolutely do not they will embrace and for your genuine qualities and i truly can say that with 100% confidence and then seeing them act that out and walk amongst the world and insert themselves in communities that they are not from and then what was the most beautiful part of the whole thing is it was completely reciprocated the on both sides of the of the of the spectrum Mm -hmm. there is not one there was not one player from their city that we were joined that had any kind of hesitation to bond with my sons Mm -hmm. and I felt like because we spent months and months with these people and their families and the coaches and I was like, it's just all made up. It's all who's bringing the axe to grind with them. And amen. That's all that it it is. We have no axe to grind. We were lucky enough to be on a team with these boys that had no axe to grind with anything that had to do with race. They, it was the most beautiful thing. I, I've never been more proud of my my stubborn position to not let the outside world affect my family when it comes to race or um, any type of judgment of race or color or culture. Like none of that touches my kids. It is, who are they? Well, and that's a, a beautiful thing. Unfortunately, you know, there's a, a, 
um, how do I explain it? There are ideals out there that people are saying that that would be impossible that of course you see color. You can't not, um, where you were just immersed in it since the day you were born and that, that that's sort of impossible. And which I, I don't agree with. I'm just saying that's out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's now a discussion that that statement would be disrespectful, that I'm denying their color. Yes. You know, and I'm not willing to have that conversation either. That's the stubbornness that I'm going to stick to. It's going to change shape and change form. And it's going to have a different title from, you know, what it was 50 years ago being racist to now it's this reverse whatever. I don't even want to speak the words of it. Because yeah. I don't want to give it any power or any any boost of energy to it, but yeah. but all I'm saying is is that everyone should be asking themselves these questions of yes. what are you bringing to the table when it comes to the issues that make you uncomfortable? Because if it's also a performance, if staying in your whiteness and feeling something special about that is some sort of performance that you're acting out because you saw it somewhere on right. the intranets and now you feel you have fuel to support that performance. Mm-hmm. That is just as, uh, that is, that is fake mm-hmm. and no one's, and around me, no one's buying it. Yeah. And it's exactly what you said. I think I totally agree. It's, it's all about what you, what acts you bring with you. You know, like what, what are you bringing with you when you meet somebody? It's, you know, and, and that sort of, when I was really thinking about the question, you know, where, what, um, the, the whole idea of having to prove something, I can honestly say that I really live, I try to live very intentionally day to day, never having, I don't, I don't feel that I have to prove anything to anybody. I really don't. I don't care who you are, what you, you know, race you are. I just don't. I, I really try not to live my life that way. What you see is what you get. And I want to be, I want to be surrounded by people. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's my, my whole thing. When I meet somebody new, I don't want you to feel that you have to prove anything to me or what, not nothing. i I literally meet people and take them at face value, which I would hope that any, everybody does. And unfortunately that's really not what happens all the time. Well, and I, I think to that point, that is exactly why we decided to keep discussing the podcast further because we have broken through a lot of those barriers that majority of the world probably is still stuck on. Obviously watch the news for five seconds. Yeah. So I love that we're, we are trying to separate ourselves even further and keep our focus on what is healthy for our heart and souls and go to the places that 
are on the forefront of being a good human day to day and not trying to jump into some um, fad political war just to, or political anything or whatever, just to feel a part of something. Like we are separately, we are a part of something, your mind, your body, your, your heart, your soul, your breath, your heartbeat, everything. You're already a part of something and you don't have to, in my mind, you don't have to define it with a catchy title. You don't have to have a club to, you know, attach yourself to, or say you're in anything. Like, Mm -hmm. let's not be in anything. Just be honest. Let's start with that. Yeah, that's exactly. Absolutely. I love it. I love that it, it raises all of these questions. And I think it's, it's just so you, you do want to live an examined life, you know, and you really should be examining all those thoughts, not only for yourself, but for your kids, you know, just, just to raise people's awareness of things, you know, I think it's so good. I don't know what, what is the, the next episode that we'll be talking about, you know, the, the next one. Um, I know if we're going backwards, it is going to be episode 38, but, um, I think we should address the anxiety episode and, you know, do that material too, um, which is episode one. And we can sort of slowly work our way inward. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because I think what we talked about today with your anxiety journey is pretty awesome and would be great to connect forward and backwards with what they're just discussing. Yeah. because, you know, I loved one of the other things that I, that I loved that was said today with, I think Glennon said, what is podcasting like for them? And they had a few minutes about that. Yeah. Which I loved for our purposes because we're new to it and just sort of putting ourselves out there. And I loved when Glennon said, like, first of all, this isn't therapy. Like, right. We're not, this isn't actually <laughs> therapy. So we don't have a therapy degree of any kind yeah so if you're like really struggling with stuff or you need more or get more therapy should already be on you know out of the junk drawer on the countertop as a vase with flowers in it and it is the centerpiece of your kitchen so do that if you're not doing that this is not therapy but I love when she said that it's the most unlonely thing that she does I felt that so deeply Oh, I know that was really sweet. I, at first when she said that, I was like, what does that mean? And then, you know, she was saying creatively, like writing a book is so lonely, you know? Yes. Yes. And I, I felt that because for my day to day, um, you know, I'm the only girl in my house and I have totally different daily desires, but I'm adjusting to always being the, you know, the tag along to five men in my house, yeah. which is a, is such a huge gift. I can't even tell you. We'll get into that. I'm sure as we continue our podcasting, um, because I, it's the most beautiful and, and invisible role that 
I ever thought I would play. So I, I struggle with feeling lonely a lot more yeah. than I ever expected, especially as they get older and they, they're doing their own things. And, uh, I don't have, I don't have the, the girl time to get my nails done and do all those things. And if I want to do the girly things, I'm usually by myself. Right. Right. Yeah. So it can get really lonely. I've just basically Matt to like <laughs> to listen to all these topics, which like he's really sweet and like good about like ha- bouncing ideas and having conversation, but it's not like what we're doing here <laughs> at all. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm left like with like, he gets it, but you know, it's like, yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was, I was giving, um, Dennis, my husband, a couple examples of what we were talking about. And of course being the guy that he is was like, what about being a lesbian? I'm like, okay, calm down. I'm not, I'm not surprising you with another woman in our marriage. Like what? My gosh. Right. 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 Like what? What is this show? I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Um, I, and then I was like, no, we're talking about intellectual honesty. And, you know, he was like, kind of zoned out. I was like, yeah, great. I'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. But man, if they only knew how like essential it is to us and how this is like what goes on in our brains when they're not, they, they're not even aware. No, absolutely. They have separate junk drawers and separate wild thoughts and and identity issues and the the roles they're playing all of that you know they're they have a smaller capacity of certain things to explore them at certain times and I think the reason why you and I are again doing this podcast and committing ourselves to it is because we have done enough junk drawer diving to know what's on the other side and how the, we now appreciate and enjoy the journey. And it's not a task that we avoid. No, not at all. And especially again, I keep bringing it back to, for, for my own kids, you know, I feel like it's essential to be able to explore all these things so that I can show them, you know, how to navigate it. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be hopefully, such a plethora of listeners that there are some that do not have kids or are grandparents or are a young teenage girl or boy who are just stumble up upon this or whatever, but you don't have to leave a legacy right now. Right. Just absorb what you can see what comes to the surface and grow. And that's at your own pace, at your own time. And maybe there'll be something that we say that also gives you some sort of tingly feeling or just gets you curious. And that's good enough. That's good enough for right now. There's no, this isn't a match what we have going on here in order to relate. You don't have to be a mom or a wife or a girl or anything. Just be curious and be willing to be honest with yourself. And that is all the criteria it takes to listen to us. And, you know, find your cheetah spots. We don't care what kind of cheetah you are. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I love it. I think we should 
and for our next episode. And it was just good. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Yeah. We will wrap this up and get this out to the listeners and then um, follow us on Instagram. We are the goddamn cheetah pod squad podcast on Instagram. We are the, um, we're under GD cheetah podcast and we will slowly be adding more to our repertoire of social. And so please follow us, comment and help us grow this thing yay and if you happen if your name happens to be glennon or abby or amanda and you hear this please let us know i mean just maybe yeah i mean like a thumbs up like you know we're just we're just branching off we're not like trying to you know we're not we're not sticking our ourselves into your backyard um of knowledge or we're just hoping to siphon a little piece here and there and share it with others so um, you know, a thumbs up and a like or whatever. We don't that's cool. Air yeah. high five, you know, whatever. We're acting like we would be really casual about that, but I'd be freaking out if they yeah, ever like losing my mind if they ever even acknowledged our existence. Oh my god. I think we would have to have a episode titled the hyperventilation episode and we're just like breathing into the microphone to try to catch our breath for an hour because it's it would be you don't even want to know. You just don't even it it'd be ridiculous okay sister okay sister great job today we'll we'll continue later all right bye bye